Hello, this is Anthony from the Read This, Watch That podcast. I have a bad habit of always forgetting to do this, but if you want to contact us, you can contact us by email at UriahHeap324 at gmail.com. That's U-R-I-A-H-H-E-E-P-324 at gmail.com. And apparently we have a Twitter page at... at R T W T twenty twenty two. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. Hey. Good evening. Chris? Hello. Hey, everyone's here. Okay. Look at Sorry, that. Sorry, I was prompting Alan some uh, other questions, so that, that uh, took me a little bit, but yes. You're right. Don't, really? All don't right. tell him nothing. Don't tell him anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I am Anthony. I'm here with Dale. Yes. And our guest, Chris. Chris, have you recovered from the from the Salem's Lot extravaganza? I have indeed. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate being asked back. Well, when we thought about doing the Hobbit, I said we had to get we had to get Chris on. I know how much you how much you like the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings, reading about uh, the author. And I thought it, I thought it would be fun. So I'm just going to start. I'll start with a little bit. We could do not an episode, but we could do an entire podcast about John Ronald Rule Tolkien. Uh, so I'm not going to go through his his biography. But so uh, Tolkien was born 1892. He died in 1973. He was a philologist. Did you guys know that? A I did. philologist. Uh, I did. I did. Yes. He studied people named Phil, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's philology is the study of languages, oral and written historical sources. It is the intersection of textual criticism, literary criticism, history, and linguistics with the strong ties to etymology. Got it? <laughs> I was like, okay. Is that have... a is that a recipe you're describing? <laughs> <laughs> I it's I'm describing something that 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 is the layman's definition of philology. I, How I, big do you think his business cards were? <laughs> <laughs> they were like index cards. I think he handed out books. It was legal <laughs> legal sheet size. <laughs> what do you do? How long have you got? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a philologist. Oh, you, you give money away to charities and things like that. <laughs> he was born in he was born in South Africa. No, I, I fill things up. <laughs> he, he was uh, he was born in South Africa. I think his dad was a businessman and was in South Africa for a number of years. He held various university professor positions, mainly at. Various colleges at Oxford. He was a World War One vet. 
he was also orphaned at a fairly young age, as was his uh, future wife. They were both orphans. And the one thing that always struck me that seems to get forgotten about Tolkien is that he is one of the primary reasons that we study, well, some of us study Beowulf, either in high school or college. He, there was a series of lectures in 1936 called The Monsters and the Critics, which he gave. And up until that point, Beowulf had sort of been this Anglo, you know, early Anglo-Saxon poem that was a historical kind of curiosity but not not studied the way it is today. So he's responsible for the poem millions of high school and college kids all know and loathe today. Um, <laughs> he was also, and feel free to speak on this. I know, Chris, you've, you've read quite a bit in terms of maybe an autobi- autobiography or two. You've also read, did you read a book on the Inkling as well? Yes, uh, I read Humphrey Carpenter's biography um, on on Tolkien and found it really interesting um, and hit on all the things that you were you were just mentioning and more. He was also um, always had an interest, apparently, in languages, even as a kid. And he and his brother would develop their own private language. And he he went into that field and we're going to talk about the hobbit which of course makes people think of the lord of the rings and the silmar Ilion. and so he developed his own kind of mythology to have people to speak his languages apparently that was his hobby he'd go home on the weekends what are you doing this weekend i'm going to work out my languages <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> sleeping <laughs> taking a nap <laughs> um, uh, yeah, then he developed this this whole kind of myth, uh, so people could speak his languages like really different kind of cat. Um, what do you you guys have anything to add about anything you've read about uh, the 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 author? Yeah, I would just about the the his imagination and and the the size of it. You had mentioned prior the silmarillion i've i've tried a couple different times to to get into the silmarillion and it's just and you, you yeah you're laughing because you and i were just i think texting about this a few days ago and it's just a it's it's a heavy lift for me there's so much there and, and just and just to take a step back when i'm trying to read it and failing and and just thinking that not only he didn't just make this make this up there's there's deep meaning behind each of the origins of these characters and they have their own history each and every one of them and there are so many of them and and it just goes on and on and on and I, i just can't imagine what a busy place this man's mind was on a just from the minute he woke up till the till the minute he laid his head down at night it's quite amazing and that is you you are right it took me uh there's a good chunk of that book the silmarillion which is just i it's kind of like reading genesis and Mm -hmm. your eyes start to glaze over but i 
come to appreciate it once the action starts. But you're right. It's when people went the pick when when that was published and people probably rushed out to get it. They probably got home, sat down, we're all excited, and just open it up and we're like, the fuck is this? Oh yeah. Can you For imagine? Sure. For sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of very similar to what what happened to me when I when I found it because I was coming <laughs> off you know hot off the Lord of the Rings and I was expecting that and it is not that and it's not there's nothing it, it's it's very intriguing and interesting but it's it's so heavy to read anyway the the book itself got the better of me so I I caved and and tried it on Audible. And that seems to be a better fit, and I can uh, take it at my leisure and digest the things that are coming at me, which are many. Dale, did you ever try your hand at the the Silmarillion? Well, you know, um, I'm not that bright, but one of the things that I do know is my own limitations. And <laughs> then you are bright. <laughs> Tolkien himself always seemed to me to be exhausting as a, <laughs> as a person, you know? Um, and I, I had a, I, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't fooled by um, the publication of the Sil- Silmarillion because my father and my brother um, were, <laughs> and so they warned me, they warned me against it. And um <laughs> And so I, I never, I never kind of dug into it because I, I, I never got invested enough in that history to, you know, want to go and, and, you know, read the source material. And so I've never, um, I've never dug into it. I've always just kind of stuck with the two main, you know, treatises, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, which I return to regularly. The Hobbit was uh, written Apparently, it was there was a full manuscript by 1932. It was published uh, September 21st, 1937, and it was immediately kind of a hit. It was popular. It was it was yeah. um, it sold really well. People really liked it. And from 1937 until the publication of the Lord of the Rings, they were clamoring for a sequel. And and boy, did. <laughs> They get one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like worth the wait, apparently. But if anyone's listening to this podcast and, oh, I should tell you, Dale and Chris, you might want to know this. Uh, We've been doing this for slightly less than 10 months, and I was kind of semi-surprised. We just passed 500 downloads, which is about 50 a month. Oh, wow. Hey, congratulations to you guys. That's awesome. Which is about 49 more than I thought we'd get per month. <laughs> I, I really thought, Dale, I thought your star power would, would draw in more people, but apparently... You're not as smart as I am. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone is actually listening to this, you know, I'm not going to go through per se. It's just, it's a quest story. It's episodic in nature. It's set in an imaginary world where 
this hobbit creature goes off with a group <laughs> sounds like i'm describing some 1970s pornography um a small a small two and a half three foot dude goes off with 12 <laughs> doors and a wizard <laughs> to um <laughs> to wait, wait, it sounds like i'm listening to a rush album <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey. Led Zeppelin. Okay, all right. Actually, more Led Zeppelin, wouldn't it be? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Bilbo Baggins is given the job of burglar. They're going to, you know, go on this epic quest to restore this dwarven kingdom that has been destroyed by a dra- dragon sits in the mountain on a uh, huge he kind of Scrooge McDucks it right he just sits on yeah. this huge thing of gold coins and, and other things he's not just, a job creator no he's, he's a t- <laughs> yeah. not a maker right um, what is uh, I'd be curious to know because I have a really kind of personal history with this but it's very important to me but what about you Dale what, what, when did you you know first read it did you read it as a kid was it later on and you know, what what did you think? What impression did it make on you? I think both this and The Lord of the Rings, I probably had the best introduction to it anybody could have, which was my father reading it to me. That's um, neat. When I was when I was very small, you know, when I was he was my he read it to my my brother and I and my brother's about four years older than me. So I think the first time I heard it, I was probably three. And what about the first time you you picked it up to read it? I don't remember. All right. I honestly don't remember. I mean, it was it was a long time ago. It was when I was young, you know, when I was a kid. But I honestly don't remember the first time I picked up to read it because I, I think it, you know, I kind of heard it that first time and then it just kind of inhabited my psyche for a long time. And my familiarity with it, you know, the, the origin story, as it were, of my familiarity with it, it's just, I just don't know. I, I really don't know. And... But this was something that was in, you know, made an impression upon you as a as a kid. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you do revisit. I revisit the Lord of the Rings more regularly than the Hobbit. Sure, but I do revisit the Hobbit from time to time. Chris, am I correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you kind of come to all this a bit later than a lot of people? Yeah, I would. I would say I did. Um... First off, Dale, that's a that's a just an awesome way to be exposed to the yeah. Hobbit by having your dad read it to you and your brother. That's that's great. That, Agreed. That's a that's yeah. that's good stuff right there. I think um, Tol- I think Tolkien would approve of that as well. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah without a doubt. Um, my, I would say I came to it as best I can remember, and through the mists of time, about. 79 or, or 80 which would have made me 12 13 12 okay. right. around around there so i know that i i seem to have come to it later than a lot of of my other friends uh when, when they found it but it was um yeah my first my first exposure to it the the physical book we we had a copy in our house and i don't know who owned it and I don't know how it got there or we bought it or it was loaned or, or whatever, but it was, um, I don't know what copy you guys had, the physical copy you remember, but mine was, it was green, like canvas almost. 
and yes. it had a uh, it had on the cover a recessed black ink drawing of Smaug that was done by Tolkien himself on this edition. I don't oh, know. Okay. I, 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 I would estimate it to be um, probably from the 60s, I would say. But this particular uh, um, copy also had a big uh, like dollop of red uh, candle wax on it as, <laughs> as well. So that was just and it smelled it smelled great. And I, just have, I, I love I love the smell of books anyway. But are you sure you're not talking about the necromonic manic, nec- no the Chromicon? No, I'm not talking. About, no, I just no. love the thought of like someone in your house reading it by candlelight. <laughs> well, it's a that was that was my first exposure to it, and he, that was the copy that I first read, and it was uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, so it it also made an impression on on you. Oh yeah, it it really made an impression on me because um, un- unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, he was the first fantasy author I found. So that set the bar kind of high. And I remember finding fantasy after that and being, you know, generally disappointed because once you once you read him, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it's me, but once you read him, it's kind of it's kind of hard to get to that get uh that standard from anyone else yeah i i agree with you it i think and that's kind of how you know i had a similar sort of experience because that was just so you know both sets of books were so ingrained in my psyche that um it had to be something very different to really impress upon me right um because otherwise it would just if it had anything to do (laughs) You know, with elves or dwarves or, um, you know, uh, anything like that, it really had a tough hill to climb. It was the same thing with my with my wine drinking. I started drinking Bordeaux, and it was just a mistake. <laughs> Nowhere to go but down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I remember, Chris, you had said. Uh, when we did Salem's Lot, that that was one of the first books that you kind of totally caught your imagination, immersed you, and kind of you were so into it. And I just remember that my dad brought a box set home. Some distributor had given it. He owned his own business, so um, he would get various deliveries, and all these delivery guys would get samples, and they would trade them back and forth, and hand them over, and just say, "I don't need this. Would you like it?" So he brings home this box set of four books. They were the Ballantine edition. I can remember the cover of each one, except the Hobbit. For some, I can't remember that one. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. So up until this time, I pretty much read like sports biographies, you know, hagiographies, where you know they talk about Lou Gehrig and. Babe Ruth and Ted Williams, like they were saints, you know, the really kind of childish stuff in retrospect. Yep. And yep. about World War One and World War Two fighter races, you know, that was like, and I, you know, was not really much of a reader. He brings this home, and we're just sitting around the. I remember this vividly, sitting around the kitchen table. He read like the first page, put it down. I picked it up. I think it was summertime, probably seventy. Um, and I remember oh, wow. yeah and I just remember picking it up I started reading it and 
it seemed like it took up most of my summer, which it could not have. So now I'm wondering if I reread it right after, like, got to the last page and went right back to the first. And I was so into it. It just it was like this guy made up a world and these creatures. Can you do that? Do people is that you know is, is that legal? Yeah. What is what is what is this? And downstairs, I, I remember this stairs. Um, in the back room when we first move in, there was a there was a light. It was almost like an industrial. It was a red light, a deep shade of red that you might see in some kind of like factory or something. So I unscrewed that. I took it upstairs and put it into my lamp so my mom wouldn't see the light from the regular <laughs> light when I had the door closed in the uh, middle of the night. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I just, and I would like stay up as late as I could trying to read this thing and fall asleep. It had a huge impression on me. And much like you guys, you, Dale, funny enough, as big of an impression that this fantasy classic had on me, I just never... I think Game of Thrones was the next fantasy type thing that caught my eye. Um, I think I wow. tried one or two things afterwards. It was like, eh, eh it's just, it's, it, eh, it just seems like a ripoff. And that, and that's not after the Hobbit. That's after I read the Lord of the Rings. Um, I just never really got wholeheartedly into, into fantasy, but that's mine. This was like a really important book to me. And afterwards, I would just try to track down other things, go to the library and take out a bunch of books. It really got me into reading. Uh, now, your most recent read, I'll start with Dale. Was there anything? Well, you've read it a lot. I haven't read it a lot of times. I read it probably that summer. I, I may have even read it three times. I think I revisited it once, maybe in the late 80s and then a couple weeks ago in preparation for this so i don't know how when the last time you read it was dale but did anything kind of surprise you when you reread it that you thought was in it and wasn't or misremembered or anything that struck you on a reread on this time around the um um the sex yeah <laughs> yeah, the animal sex. It was just I didn't remember that. I, you know, it's strange. Very strange. It was. It was weird. Yeah, and that that like thirty page diatribe against capitalism. I thought was very strange. Also, <laughs> um, no, the uh, the you know the the I think this time around, one of the things that really struck me was really the episodic nature of it. I mean, I you know you I think. It's very hard to miss that. But this time around, it just struck me at how much this red like kind of, you know, what it started out as, which is a bunch of stories strung together, right? Um, because I believe the origin of The Hobbit came out of, you know, him telling stories to his kids. Right. And right. then for whatever reason, deciding to write it down. So... But it, it's, it struck me this time around how each kind of episode really is a thing in and of itself. You know, you get to the end of a chapter and you've gone through an adventure and you can, you know, put it down, go to sleep and, you know, feel satisfied that you've been told a story right from beginning to end. 
um, and how effective that is for a kid's book, you know? Right. Just remarkably effective. And I think is probably one of the reasons it was, um, it was as successful as it was is because it really, every night I'm going to read a chapter to you, which is what my father did, right? And every night the kids would have that degree of satisfaction of kind of hearing a complete thing but then also knowing, of course, that there is more coming um, uh, and still being excited for it. So I think that serialized nature of it is, is one of the things that struck me this time around. Anything, uh, when you reread it, Chris, anything that kind of stuck out to you? Uh, yeah, uh, good points, Dale. And I, I, I really agree with what you were saying about the, 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 the fully compiled chapters and a, and a whole meal there for everyone to everyone to have especially for for kids and and again i think back of you know how cool it would have been to have that read to me that's a what a great memory yeah. um yeah what jumped out at me this time anthony was uh i i forgot or repressed how scary that dragon was and <laughs> how just you know super super high intelligence with bad intent and just how dangerous he was and, and how just awful, awful a creature he was. And it was just scary this time. And I was trying to think back how I wasn't scared before, but maybe I was just too absorbed in the story and kind of just went over that bit. But uh, just listening to just, – just reading the parts where he's talking and the things he's saying and how his mind works, it just, I don't know, really got to me this time. Yeah, I yeah. The, we can talk about the dragon later if you want. Actually, my favorite part is um, I think the conversations between Bilbo and the dragon. I love the dragon. He sounds. I just envision him with this aristocratic English accents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's very uh, just very. He just comes across as very polite. <laughs> you know, um, as he's you know making making these threats. The I was surprised. I did not remember the pizzeria pedophile ring uh, in that that part of the book. That was I. Didn't, I did not remember that. I was I was surprised at how divorced it is from the Lord of the Rings. I had to go back and check. They never say the Shire. They they never say. I think the name of the mountain. They never say Middle Earth. Um, yeah, and in everything's like the hill, the water, you know, Mirkwood, the mountain, and in re in reading up on some of this, this was never intended to be a part of this the, his kind of mythology for his languages. This was this was intended to be an entirely separate work. Apparently, he did salt and pepper it with a couple names mm-hmm. from his his mythology to give it some you know some make it feel like there's a history there but he never really intended it and apparently what surprised me was on the after the publication of the lord of the rings he went back and revised the hobbit to make it fit in like for instance right right apparently in the original edition he wins the ring and Gollum gives it to him Willingly, Matthew willingly. Part, they part friends, and 
that's that's all exactly. good. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then and he then... had to go back and <laughs> he had to re- he basically did some you know ret- retconning uh, of of the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so how... which he did, which he did effectively, by the way. I yes, think, oh, the, for sure. In the Lord of the Rings, in that, in that notion of you know, which story did you hear him tell you, right? Yes, was it the real one or was it the fake one? Exactly. He, he, he was he, he. Well, unsurprisingly, he took it one layer further, right? He just couldn't. Yes. Well, of course. But that's <laughs> what I was going to say. If anybody's going to be able to pull this off, it's going to be seamlessly. It's going to be this cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Bjorn, when I reread uh, it, I was like, as yeah. a kid, it's kind. He's kind of an ambiguous character for a kid to understand. It's like, yes. seems like a good guy, but he might tear your head off at night. Yeah. So lock the door. Yep. <laughs> yep. Really, really interesting character for uh, yeah. you know a kid to read. I thought I was like, yeah, you know, he's. I, you know, you kind of expect good. The good guys are good guys. The bad guys are bad guys. But interesting character to toss in. Yeah. Can I? I really want to be his I... friend, but I'm not so sure he wants to be my friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what being his friend entails, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be being, being lunch, being dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let me. I, I want to add to that because I was thinking about this as well. Um, the the three trolls kind of fit into that category also because other than the you know bad connotation about being trolls and you know the fact that they do things they're just three guys hanging out in the woods was it bill tom and william yeah with the cockney accents yeah with the cockney accents they're just having 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 some food they're grumbling a little because they're upset and they're and they get interrupted like a lot right? <laughs> like all these little little critters that have have shown up and dale's take is the the trolls are the unsung heroes of the of the hobbit <laughs> this a, is a he's, tragedy this is a he, tragedy uh, this is a troll tragedy somebody should turn this into an opera dale is <laughs> dale is already working right. on the pre the prequel yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right these annoying creatures and then they're turned to stone which is minding their own business yeah to, to them it's like it, it was like if we caught a rabbit right oh, i got this thing i think we'll cook it exactly <laughs> that's awesome the other thing <laughs> what well, it's worse because bilbo tries to steal one of their wallets they're gonna let him go or they haven't seen him and instead of just leaving right and saying okay there are trolls here we don't get along. He goes, he tries to steal from them. Yes, that's yeah. true. That's true. Thieves. Thieves. He's a burglar. Lie. Yeah, he's a burglar. That's he's true. trying to be a burglar. Yeah. He tries to steal from them and he lies about who's with them, right? With him, rather. Yeah, it's terrible. These right. poor trolls. Right. Yeah. They deserve yeah. better. <laughs> and the only other thing I can think of. I am definitely more woke than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were one of the founding members of the Troll Rights Society. <laughs> um, the first couple pages where where Gandalf shows up, creepily just standing there, Bilbo says, "Good day," and he's like, "Do you mean it is a good day? It's a good. It's a 
day to be good on. And it's like, you're exhausting, old man. Yes. <laughs> Why don't just leave this guy alone? Who the who the hell do you think you are? J.R. Tolkien, maybe? Then he invites just people. Philologists? He, he invites these these he invites people to his place. They come in swarming like locusts, eating everything. Um, Gandalf's kind of a dick. That's a really yeah. dicky move. Yeah, I agree. It, well, you know, they kind of all are. Uh, all the all of them? all you the think? characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the the dwarves have their their good side, but I mean, they do kind of. I'm not going to say necessarily force him into taking this journey, but it's fairly close. And certainly Gandalf is, is the kind of does that, but even Bilbo himself, even though he's just kind of minding his own business there, he's, he's a, he's a bit, I don't know, prudish, curmudgeoning. Bilbo? Yeah. He's not yeah. the kind of guy you'd want to hang out with. Well, it's in- I, I found interesting the, um, that, the bag inside of him is more traditional. He he's he's um he would fall into the squire class of people, right? Yeah. Comfortable. He obviously doesn't have to work for a living, but he would not be kind of you know nobility or anything like that. He's like a country squire, and his father's family are standard kind of unadventuresome hobbits. But he gets that that really interesting strain from his mother that he's kind of repressed for for all these years, but he does come across as kind of prim, a little prissy. Uh, and, but I like the, I like the fact that, that Tolkien kind of throws in the fact that there is this, there, there are a couple clans that are a bit adventuresome um, and kind of, a kind of break break this mold and we forgot that this you know I was reading the description of these hobbits right short fat they don't wear shoes they like <clears throat> bright colors and I'm thinking to myself like every time I go to Walmart I see someone like that Aww. I'd see hobbits <laughs> all the time when I go to Walmart no no what do we what do we think about <laughs> What do we think about this invention of his? What, the, 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 these hobbits. Any thoughts? Um, well, I, I, I kind of, I, I always wondered about the hobbit economy. <laughs> yeah, because because he doesn't do anything for a living, and and he he kind of he he seems to be comfortable, but there's clearly an interest in having treasure and you got to pay for letters and things like that. And so there are people who work and do things. And so I always kind of wondered what the, uh, what the economy actually looked like. I don't think it's particularly strong. Uh, I, I think it might be why this was such a big hit with the counterculture folks. Yeah. <laughs> are you suggesting there's some socialism going on in the uh, Shire? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. I know, but but it, it would explain the diatribe against capitalism. <laughs> those thirty pages that I <laughs> yeah, I have to go back. I have to go back and look for that because uh, I must have skimmed right over that part. Um, I thought he he he's they're they're great, and I mean it's it's 
I remember thinking, wow, well, I, I would love to live in a place like that and just mm. sit around and eat all day and, and go and visit my friends and pick fresh vegetables from my garden. And yeah, I just thought he set a, he set a great scene and a, and a, and a, and a great, uh, a, a, a great character in the Hobbit. How, how often does a writer invent a new, uh, I don't know, uh, speed, you know, uh, what am I like, how often can, can an author invent a new, uh, like mythological creature? Um, I mean, cause we, there was, you know, in German folklore going way back, there's goblins and, and witches and there's all sorts of, but he just invents these how, and they stick like how often Oh yeah. does a <clears throat> fantasy invention stick i mean i i remember reading about apparently um i don't really know anything about dungeons and dragons but when it came out they had a hobbit and there was some wrangling with the tolkien estate about or the publishers about using that and apparently they had to change it so he he's invented this this legendary creature and it's stuck and i just i i I don't i can't imagine that has happened more than a couple times that there's a 20 20th century uh mythological creature that's that's created and it it sticks as you know uh, alongside all these other centuries old centuries old figures agreed all right um trying to think how best so we got bilbo and <laughs> Gandalf's the other ma- one of the main. So you got Bilbo and Gandalf, and Gandalf is in the Hobbit. He's this kind of this itinerant wizard. Yes, mm-hmm. that shows up, and he's got all the. He's got the outer trappings of all the kind of wizard stuff going on. He's got the beard. He's got the hat. He's got the staff. He's got the robes does kind of have a tendency to disappear when things get rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's typically wise. He, he knows things when things need to be known. And the, the only other, I guess the, the third character is probably Thorin, right? In terms of the, Bilbo's companions that actually have kind of a personality and a lot of a lot of dialogue. It's it's pretty much Thorn. I mean, a couple of the others have things going on, but there's also Thorn, right? Is he kind of like uh, the third character here? Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's the he's the leader of the dwarves, the one that's putting this uh this op together. And yeah, I, I would say he's very well developed. I think that there are. <clears throat> Four characters because I think there's Thorn and then I think there's the other dwarves mm, who mm-hmm. kind of collectively form yeah. a fourth character. Even though there's some differences in between them, Not a good they guy. kind of play their you know specific roles. And I think kind of as a as an aggregate or a collective, they kind of play a, you know a character role in this. They just do it as a group. Well, like the Greek chorus. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I mean, the dragon's a character, but that's at the very end. Yeah. 
And what do we think of Thorin? He's he's another one. He's he's some of the some of these dwarves are are comical. Um, some are kind. Like like Balin is seems to tries to be Bilbo's friend. Thorin's kind of haughty, kind of haughty, headstrong, right. yep, very aristocratic. Yep. Do we like him? I think he's driven. He's ambitious uh, for sure. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I do too. And he's also suffered tragedy. Right? So yes. he's, he's, he's driven and he's also, you know, wounded and obviously to a certain degree seeking revenge. Um, I think he's an interesting character. Um, he really is. In terms of in terms of whether I you know whether you like him or not, I don't I don't know that you you would. I mean I mean realistically, other than a few of the other dwarves, I don't think you'd really want to hang out with any of these people because <laughs> they're all kind of in their own ways, you know, kind of people you'd kind of look at and say, well, you know, you're not an, uh, you know an evil bad person, but at the same time. You're really, you're really fucking annoying. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're, either, you're either annoying, or you know, you 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 feel more than you are, or um, yeah. So I mean, it, it's interesting. There, not many of them are are really likable. And they they bring. There's one who's like immensely fat, right? Bomber, uh, bomber, bomber. One of the one of those. One of the bees. Yeah. Yeah. One of the bees. Right, right. Like, you are going to go on the stealth mission walking I don't know how far over through woods, over mountains to take out a dragon and reclaim a kingdom and you bring this, you know, panting fat guy who can barely move. Uh they're not very effective. The 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 dwarves, right? They um they don't want to bring Bilbo, but he ends up really being the key to it all. Right. They almost get eaten by trolls until Gandalf. Yeah, what is it? Bilbo kind of is it Bilbo who delays them, and then Gandalf delays them a little bit more until the sun rises. Well, yes, yes, yes I think that's right. They barely get out of the mountain with the the goblins there. They barely escape. Um, they get caught, they get messed up by spiders and caught by elves in the woods. They don't really defeat the dragon. And then when it comes to diplomacy, they basically have the rest of the good guys arrayed against them, ready to pretty much take them out. They're not really very good at their jobs, if you really think about it. No, they're not about finesse, are they? No. They're not good at, at at adventuring. They're they're pretty effective though once they get back home and the dragon goes away at defending themselves. But that's about the only thing. Are they? Yeah, How, they get they... themselves walled up. There's only thirteen of them. They got a whole bunch of people hanging around, and you know they are able to get word to their relatives who are going to show up with a whole army of dwarves to help them, and no one can really get at them. I guess I, I just figured there was the parlay and 
a waiting game, but they eventually would have been taken out. But for the what was it like the goblin who shows up? There's like goblins, the wolves, orcs, um, orcs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody shows. Everybody converges yeah. at once. Yeah, the proud boys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they got that one guy in the back yelling, "Stop the steal!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so, you mentioned how episodic in nature this is. I I agree. Is there? You guys got a favorite, kind of like a favorite part in all these episodes that that sticks out? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, ribbon. Hmm. Uh, I like uh I, I I like when they when they are arrive there at the mountain. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's it's interesting because I think that the 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 early chapters, <clears throat> excuse me, are very kind of kid like, right, and very um, uh, <clears throat> almost light hearted. Right. I mean, even with the trolls, it, you know, they're word games and the trolls are funny because they're just some, you know, um, some uh, Cockney guys, right, arguing about food and they're clearly not all that bright. Right. Um, and, you know, they it, it it's really not until they get and they have their encounter with the with the goblins. And then beginning at that point, things get a little bit. They, they change. They get a little bit darker. They get a little bit more um, serious. And you meet Bjorn, who's this kind of, well, is Bjorn a good guy? Is Bjorn a bad guy? You know, what is Bjorn? And then you go through the woods where there's, you know, they almost get eaten by spiders and they get held hostage by an elf king. Then they get, and then they're actually dealing with a dragon. <laughs> right you know no right. no nonsense stuff and then there's this huge political issue with thorn being stubborn about his Ex- rights right and exactly this stuff. it's right. so it, it's it's really interesting is that i think that you get once you get past rivendell you 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 the it really changes um its character in a lot of ways and i remember as a kid you know, you were talking about Anthony before the, you know, he's created this, you know, the Hobbit, right? This, this new critter um, in, in the lore. As a kid, I always liked those um, episodes where you came across new things. Like I always, as a kid, really liked the Bjorn chapter. Because I was always filled with these questions, like, "What real is Bjorn actually a bear, or is he actually a person?" Uh-huh. <laughs> and is Bjorn, you know, if you're there a couple of extra days, is he going to eat you, or is he this kind of protector of nature? I mean, kind of what what is he? Um, and as a kid, I always I always really like those, and then some of the more adventurous um, chapters um, later on. But I think as I as I've gotten older, um, the chapter or chapter or chapters I like the most are those toward the end when, you know, Thorin takes that turn of being too op- obstinate and the, the, the people of the, of the river town of Dale um, 
you know, start saying, hey, wait, what about us? You know, we just suffered right. all this. We helped you, right? Come on. We just killed the dragon. And right, and yeah. we killed it. We actually were the ones that killed it. So hey, man, you know what's going on? Hey. But what's what's it? What what are you what are you asking? Are you asking what's in it for me? Yeah, I'm asking what's in it for me. No, <laughs> what's in it for me? Yeah, no, it's a. Um, uh, I I think now I like those chapters better because there's a lot more going on and there's a lot more to think about. I do enjoy the. Uh, you know, it's funny. I do enjoy. As much as I like, you know, some of the adventure stuff, I do enjoy when Bilbo is becomes thoughtful enough and shrewd enough mm-hmm. when he steals the Arkenstone and he's pretty much going to yeah, go right, take right. it to mollify the Elven King. Like, here's what you say mm-hmm. is yours. Can we? Can everyone calm right. down? Everyone just take a breather, and then he's on right. in their camp. Yep. And yeah. Thorin's so blind with and that's the thing that that he's a great I mean he, he's a great uh leader uh to a certain extent. I mean uh but he's just so blind in playing the long game. And when he sees you know Bilbo pretty much at the ramparts on the other side of them. He's just enraged of like a traitor, right. um, you know, take the little, you know, you can, you can have your little rat back type of thing. And he's just a dick uh, at, at times, but I do like the, I, I do like that politics at the end. I, mean, I just yeah. can't, can't remember if I kind of really got it when I first read it, but I, I, do, I do enjoy that now. I know I didn't. I know as a kid, the first time I kind of went through, the first few times I went through it, I think, I was always pissed off at Bilbo for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you broke the guy code. You, yeah. broke, you uh, broke your contract, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, he was your bro, man. Come on, you know. Bros before elves. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it was, when I was a kid, I I don't think I fully appreciated that and as i got older it's actually a really when you read the whole thing and everything kind of comes together that you know the groundwork really is laid for that you know political conundrum quite well and there aren't there isn't you know one side or two sides or even three sides right there are like four or five depending on how you look at it or more everybody's Um, got a point Everybody's right. got a point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And Chris, I think it's really interesting that Rivendell is your, your, your favorite <laughs> chapter, because that's the, in my mind, that's the turning point, right? That's kind of where things start to start to get really serious. Right. 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 Is that, what, just, is that, is that moment before the storm. It's actually Rivendell's also my, one one of my favorite chapters in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that break. It's is, like I I want to retire as well. Yeah, yeah, as well. I would right. just like to retire there. Yeah. yeah, and you also know when they're there. When they get there, it's like all right. This is once we start walking. Real it, and you, you knew, knew that was just the, the the end of the 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 good times for the time being. It was the last homely house. Yeah. Everything <clears> after that. It was like you're going into the wild. Is yeah. there um, any 
anything? Please feel free to to hop in. Is there anything you guys want to talk about in terms of the the story? Any of the characters? Um, knock yeah. yourselves out if you want to. I, I I got a question for you guys. Okay. Um, maybe it was explained, but it was it's still always a little bit of a mystery to me as to why they think they need a burglar. I, I I was always under the impression that I don't know if it's in you know now that I think about it I'm not sure it's actually explained is it I don't I don't think so Does Gandalf ever come out and say say why we we you may need someone you know, to kind of creep in there and survey the survey the area. Well, it's I know they need to break the unlucky number, right? There's thirteen. They want to, so they want a fourteenth, right? No, they they could have dumped a fat guy. No, but they so specifically they wanted a burglar. Yeah, but the, and they specifically <clears throat> wanted a burglar, and I don't, I don't, I never quite understood. Maybe it was because they needed somebody to get into the mountain. And they didn't think that there was any. Well, no, because did they ever they, say that? No, I don't think that they do. Did they want them to pick yeah, the I lock to the side do. door? I don't know. Here's now the I don't have an answer for you. I, w- I wish I did. Here is yeah. what I know. One of the if you there was a book published in the eighties. I think it came out in the eighties. It was, it was called Unfinished Tales. Oh, and it was kind that. of a precursor to all these books that his son has kind of collected uh, the, the history of it's basically a history of the Lord of the Rings that the son has kind of collected all the papers, all the writings. And these are a lot of these are similar to the appendices that are in the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Things, things that Tolkien wrote that really weren't going to be part of any particular story, but it was just part of the history the background. And he did do some ret, ret, more retconning in those stories about this. To tie it more into the Lord of the Rings, one of the reasons that Gandalf takes such a big... I'm trying to remember this. Gandalf takes such a big interest in this expedition is because he is worried... No, obviously, this is all after the fact because he had not even really envisioned the Lord of the Rings yet. But in sure. retrospect, he says Gandalf knew that Thorin wanted to retake his his kingdom and was going to try to probably would make a mess of it because he would want to go off like in a war party with like. 13 dwarves and maybe the tooth fairy and a couple of leprechauns, you know, <laughs> marching off the war. And he thought the only way he'd succeed is through stealth and kind of the fit into the Lord of the Rings. The only reason Gandalf was really concerned was he was worried that if Sauron rose to power and allied with a dragon, it would be devastating in the north. So it'd be great to get rid of Smaug. If you could. Mm-hmm. And he thought stealth would be the best way. He knew a dragon had probably never smelled a hobbit. That would be an unfamiliar smell. Right. And, and Bilbo would be, be able to 
you know, pick the lock on the door and yeah, you know, all this kind of thing. He did his best to kind of like bring it all together, but I don't think in the story they actually say why a burglar, you know, might as well bring an accountant. You yeah, know? right. Someone to count all the gold. Yeah, no, I don't really... know if I'm just filling in the blanks on on that on my own in my own head, but it was I, I just thought his skills at, at at a stealthy movement would aid them to getting into the chamber and and. And again, maybe I'm just imagining this or just filling in blanks, but, you know, he would give them, you know, the, the, the best way to, to get in. I, I, and I, you could be right. I just don't remember that being explicitly stated. No, I don't, I don't either. And that's what I mean by filling in the blanks, I guess. Good question. Anyone else got any? I have a, I have another question. Oh, great. Theory for the answer to. Why did Gandalf choose Bilbo? I don't know. Because he was, because he knew him? I mean, you couldn't get another dwarf? Yeah, but again, hmm. aren't, aren't they, aren't they like, you know, fleet of foot and stealthy and, and, and can't they move like, like not to the degree of elves, but but still very, very stealthy. Whereas, as we've said, dwarves aren't exactly finesse. So if you're looking for, you know, a, a, a stealthy burglar type, you know, maybe, maybe the degrees of stealthiness that dwarves possess, but that was a, that was my thought why they went with Bilbo. But so, do you, do you mean, question, I guess. Do, do you mean yeah, Bilbo so... specifically or a <clears throat> hobbit? I'm sorry, me? No, D- Dale. Did you mean oh. did you mean Bilbo specifically, or just a Hobbit? Well, I I kind of both, but I think Bilbo specifically. I mean, I think I think Chris's comment about um, the attributes of a of a Hobbit makes sense, right? If you want a burglar, <clears throat> Hobbit probably is a good starting point. But you know. I guess, I mean, couldn't you find a, an existing burglar hobbit? They don't seem like the, the thieving types to me. Yeah, maybe not. No, so my, no, my theory, don't. my theory um, as to why Gandalf chose Bilbo is spite. <laughs> because that interaction between Gandalf and, and Bilbo you know, Bilbo's kind of like, oh yeah, I know you. You're, you're that, you know, that no, no good. Well, not no good, but you're that troublemaker wizard. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing stuff. Please go away. And he's kind of rude about it. Right? Maybe Gandalf said, "I'm going to teach this guy a lesson." <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> That's funny. Screw that guy. Hey. If he uh, dies, he dies. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It also, as as kind of homebody as hobbits are supposed to be, uh, and kind of very conservative, and they they like being home and being with their family and friends and eating, and aren't very adventuresome. Uh, doesn't Bilbo say, "Oh, Gandalf, you're responsible for you know all those hobbits." You know, going off on all sorts of adventures. 
it was like maybe there's a there there is Gandalf just occasionally showing up and and, and sending <laughs> hobbits <laughs> See, like is it is it some big experiment? He, he tags him on the ear, sends him off, and, <laughs> and sees if they come back. Well, this one went all the way to Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, Anybody else got anything on the the actual text? Anything you want to talk about? Um, I actually have another question. Anybody else have a question? I have questions. I'm going to ask you guys. I have a quiz. Oh, okay. Well, I I'll, let me ask one one other thing. Or this is actually less of a question, but but one thing I I, I noticed about kind of a difference between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, and one that. Um, I, th- I, in rereading The Hobbit the last few times, I've kind of noticed more and more, and I think is, is kind of interesting, which is that, whereas in The Lord of the Rings, you know, um, um, you know, orcs and goblins are evil, right? Elves are these, I don't know if we'll call them good, but they're certainly angelic in certain ways. Mm-hmm. In The Hobbit, they're much more just kind of different perspectives, right? Because there's this sense that you could actually negotiate with the goblins, right? I mean, it it may be very difficult and it may not go your way, but right, there's this sense of, you know, the king of the goblins, right? And, And these, you know, maybe doing bad things, but, you know, you're gonna negotiate with them and, and the elf king, right, in, in, in Mirkwood, he's a little bit, you know, kind of greedy and unpleasant, right? Right. Um, and not that kind of angelic. And so they're a little bit more what, tangible, right? A little bit more earthy, right? I mean, yeah. they're, there's guards, they, they, they have trade with Lake Town, right? They send the wine right. down to Lake Town. Yep, yep. Um, right. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I guess it's a bit greedy on his on his end um, about the about the Arkenstone. I think they 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 bear grudges. Um, yep. And I'm just thinking, like, if you're and there's no sense that you know when you first read it, there's no sense like there's in the, in the Lord of the Rings that there's immortal. Um, yeah, right. Which would I think uh, kind of change their change their outlook on life yeah you're right they seem to be just another just another side of uh, you know uh, just another personality trait almost uh, a perspective yep yep it's funny too i was i if you i have tolkien's letters there's a book oh you know, yes yeah great and stuff it's really good. I mean, it ranges everything from, you know, letters to his wife, back and forth, to friends, to about his literary work, about his his job as a philologist, and all sorts of things. Unfortunately, there isn't really anything on the everything on the Hobbit seems to be gone pre the time when he found out it was going to be published. Um, unlike the Lord of the Rings, where he's writing letters to friends. 
to his publisher, to his son, talking about his progress. You really don't get anything like that um, with The Hobbit, pre-knowing that it was going to be published. But there is something funny. Somebody, <coughs> somebody had asked him, this is in 1959, it asked him to contribute to a symposium to be published in a children's book supplement. And he wrote back saying, no, thank you. I really don't have time. I just recovered from surgery and term begins on April 24th. And then he goes to say, um, let's see. He says he's talking about The Hobbit being considered a book for children. And when I, he says, when I published The Hobbit, Hurriedly and without due consideration, I was still influenced by the convention that fairy stories are naturally directed to children. Um, he says, I had some of my own children, uh, and um, but it had some unfortunate effects on the mode of expression and narrative method, which if I had not been rushed, I should have corrected. Intelligent children of good taste, of which there seem quite a number... <laughs> <laughs> he can point out the blemishes you know in this story <laughs> and then this is a great line he goes i'm not specially interested in children and certainly not in writing for them <laughs> <laughs> that's great one of the other things when when i was reading in so his British. letters he, he's very he's very polite but Always oh. kind of honest. A little, a little chilly. <laughs> uh, he says when they were going to do the American publication, uh, I don't know if it was the paperback or not, but the illustrations, he says something along the lines of, um, you know, oh, I would like this, I would like that, but you know what? That's really the Americans' business. I'm sure they have some brilliant illustrators who will do a great job. He goes, I just wish we could veto... Disney being involved in any of it as I loathe their work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Come on. Stop it's... holding back. Tell us how you really feel. Give it to yeah. me straight. What's the word on the street? How do you feel about Disney? <laughs> Which is oh, like, man. wow, really, really throwing some shade. And, uh, it, yeah, so if you're interested in, in more Tolkien and just his personality, the, the letters are great. They're, they're really interesting. Um, and Such a it, good book. There is, if I can find it, he was, of course, very good friends with C.S. Lewis, the creator <laughs> yeah. of Narnia and other things. Yeah, right. yeah, and C.S. Right. Lewis wrote one of the first kind of the, the, the blurb on the back saying that he thought The Hobbit would be an instant classic and and just always wrote it because he heard it. He heard The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings almost chapter by chapter while it was being written. And he just had these glowing things to say about and, Tolkien and, and The Tolkien Lord of the Rings. Tolkien reciprocated, right? I have just received a copy of CSL's latest studies in words. Alas, his ponderous silliness is becoming a fixed manner. 
I am deeply, I am deeply relieved to find I am not mentioned. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Could um, you lie a little? <laughs> all right, now I got a little quiz for you guys. Here we go. All right, ready? Okay. Uh, a first yes. edition of. Wait, wait, what, what, what are the rules here? Wait, wait, what, what the rules are, the rules? are um, it's a quiz. I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to try to answer them. <laughs> but I mean, do we get to, do we get to confer? Can, can we, or, or are we, are we playing against each other? I was going to, uh, well, my natural inclination Like a quiz was tournament? To, are we a team? And then we submit our answer to you? My natural inclination was to pit each we... of you against one another. <laughs> of course it was. In a are bloody. <laughs> But you can work as a team. Okay. You can work as a team. Okay. And I I, I was going to, you know, a lot of some of these are multiple choice just because you would not really be able to get the answer per se because it's a specific, it'd be a specific thing as in this first question. A first edition hardcover of The Hobbit was auctioned at Sotheby's in 2015. Was it for... One hundred and seventy thousand six hundred dollars, two hundred and five, two hundred and five thousand two hundred and seventy five dollars, or two hundred and ten, uh, two hundred and ten thousand five hundred dollars. So I'll make it easy. Was it for one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars, two hundred and five thousand dollars, two hundred and ten thousand dollars, or two hundred and twenty one thousand dollars? A first edition Hobbit. Is 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 bonus points if you can do it in pound? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go with the. I think it's the highest one. I I would be right. 2015. That's not all that long ago. It was around the time that all the movies had come out. I gotta believe it's the highest one. Yep. I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna concur. I'm gonna concur with that. Well, you'd be wrong, but close. It went for $210,000. Really? $210,000 for a oh, first wow. edition. Wow, I could have bought that. Oh, wait wow. a minute. $210,000. $1,000. <laughs> I wonder guess. if the one I spilled ca- candle wax. <laughs> 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 I was thinking about it. So, uh, as you all probably know, that's... Um, Publisher Stanley Unwin paid his son Rayner to do a report on The Hobbit and to decide whether to publish it or not. How much was Rayner paid? Rayner was 10 years old at the time. and Let me know if I should publish it or not. Write a report. And this was back in the 30s. This would have been back in like 1936. (laughs) (laughs) $210,500. I... Close. I I recently read this, and I believe it was thirty pounds a week. It was paid one shilling. Okay, one shilling. That was going to be my guess. Wait a minute, that was going to be my guess. You didn't get me. Give me a chance to convince Chris that that was right. We get that one. It was one shilling, which I think in American money is like two liters. 
hectares. No, 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 it's two pints. <laughs> All right, if you guys don't, if you guys don't get this one, I'm just hanging up without saying goodbye. We're we're done. Uh, well, maybe that's a good thing. What? Uh, what? What, na- to come. <laughs> what nation wanted to know the ancestry of Tolkien before it published The Hobbit? <laughs> Oh dear! (laughs) Correct. Oh my goodness! Yes, you guys are both correct. (laughs) And Tolkien wrote to the German publisher, "Quote: If I am to understand you are inquiring whether I am Jewish origin, I can only reply that I appear to have no ancestors of that gifted people." End quote. Yes. All right. Um, let's see. There was a time when you needed to shake your head at that comment. But... How many months? Okay, so the original, the original um, order of books when the Hobbit was published was uh, they 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 printed fifteen hundred books. How long did it take to sell out those fifteen hundred copies? One month, two months, three months, four months. Well, this was. So this was back before the interwebs, but it was the time yeah. of the um, busybody washerwoman. Um, I don't know. Would they have gotten pre-publication uh, reviews, like a- advertising, or or like you know, hey, this is coming soon type of thing? Did they do? It was Did they do anything like. That? It it was reviewed pre-publication by by some critics. Yes, I think three months is a reasonable amount of time for for something like that. Word of mouth to cause sales to spike. Yeah, I think that's that sounds right to me. There's four months, oh, but good guess, good guess. All right, how many copies have been sold? More than of of the Hobbit current like to date, more than fifty. 50- in 100 million or more than 150 million? I think 100 million would be a safe. I thought these trivia questions were going to be about the story. No. No. Why would you think that? I don't know, man. But this is. That's why I'm not feeling so bad about not knowing anything. I did my homework, I read the book. I'm not going to ask you questions about that. (laughs) You just started asking me about the uh, Treaty of Westphalia. Um, I I, I don't know. I'm going to say, I would say 150 plus. Um, It's been, what, 80 years since it was first published? It's got to, has to have been translated into at least German. Um, (laughs) Apparently not. The dragon, really a... <laughs> the drag in the German version, the dragon wins. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. That's right. The elves are Russia. <laughs> it has it has it has sold over a hundred million copies. But oh, not hundred and fifty right. million. Oh, here's, a, here's a question from the here, okay, how many female characters appear in the Hobbit? In the Hobbit. They're all female. No, that's not right. They could all be female. Oh. 
I don't think there are any. I don't think there are any either. Um, but uh, I'm like maybe an elf queen in the Hobbit. Yeah, no, am I, am I like was meant maybe mentioned at Rivendell or maybe present at Rivendell? I'm gonna say no. I was thinking maybe at the town <clears throat> at, uh, at Dale, the, the lake, but I don't. Lake, yeah, the lake town. Lake town. Yeah. There are yeah. no female characters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Zero. Nice. All right. Last question. Gandalf's original name was Bandel, Mandil, Bladderthin, or Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Say them again. Bandel, Mandil, Bladderthin, Steve. I think it was Bladderthin. Yeah, I'm gonna go with A. Ooh, well, we're okay. Can we have well, two answers? Well, some, yeah, well, hold on. Well, we just had two answers because you said 150 plus, <laughs> and I said 100 million when we were oh. talking about the the publication. So I thought we, I, 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 I thought you. We're now competing. Me. Yeah, we're competing so. now. Okay, so yeah, so I'll say Bladderthin. Bladderthin. Wow. Excellent. Good, good choice well to change that, right? Well done. Yeah, I don't think Bladderthin uh, has the ring to it that that the other ones will. And the last thing, Jesus. The, well done, you. Time. Uh, the only last things I have the magazine didn't even bother to review the the novel when it came out. The New York Times did, and it was a positive review. And the Hobbit in the United States really took off after the Lord of the Rings came out. Because that became really big on college campuses. Yes. And The Hobbit was the best selling American paperback in 1966. That's how big it took off wow. by, by the mid 60s. It was the best selling paperback. Wow. So, um, and that's, uh, I think that's a wrap. That's, that's all I got. Anybody want to add anything else? Anything you can think about? Anything you want to talk about? No, we I, I not on my end. We covered a lot. That was uh, good fun. Thank you, thank you again for including me. I appreciate it. And oh, it was, uh, I will time. mention. I got one more thing. This is kind of interesting. Here's a question for you guys: Did hobbits ever exist? Did hobbits ever exist? Define existence on Earth. Yeah. Were there ever hobbits on Earth? Real creatures. Mm. Ever, I, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, oh boy, uh, it, do you want just a one? You want an explanation, or you just want a one-word answer? Surprise me, Dale. Okay, I'm gonna say yes, because there were previous species of humans um, that. Um, were much smaller and I think had some of the same um, attributes that um, Tolkien described, including being somewhat ornery and enjoying tobacco. <laughs> enjoying tobacco. Um, so in 2004, uh, it's kind of a trick question, but this is kind of interesting. In 2004 on the island of Flores in, in Indonesia, one of those Indonesian islands, yeah, they discovered. Yeah, they discovered Homo floresiensis, 
and they discovered a cave where there was a couple skeletons and then a, a, a bit later they they found a second site the first site you can ever take you, you don't know whether you're looking at maybe a mutation um you know you never want to generalize from the, just one site but they found two right. they would have been like these two and a half three four foot tall people lived in the rainforest on the same island there was komodo dragons um and they it was pretty much 50,000 to 190,000 years ago there was this this uh species race whatever you want to call it that that were <clears throat> hobbit like in their size and the interesting thing is the thing that i found really neat was well number one they kind of attributed to island dwarfism that over centuries and centuries and centuries mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not you know uh really economical to be a big thing on a small island so animals yeah. and and people would did have a tendency to to uh, shrink and become a little more efficient but um at this same time there would have been us you know homo sapiens this group and Neanderthal would have also uh, been walking around. So, you know, on Earth, this, this, you know, in this time period, it was basically these three species that were all coexisting on Earth at the same time. And we never really, you know, it was never really thought of that way, that, that there would be these three species that, that coexisted. And it reminded me a little bit about, of mm. like, Middle Earth. Yeah, right. With various species all coexisting. We think we've been alone. Homo sapiens have been alone, you know, for an, our, our entire existence, and we haven't. But that was a neat little story. You can find stuff on that. Um, you can find some stuff on that on YouTube. It was a really interesting archaeological discovery. Oh, that's interesting. Did you did you say that these that this group of people lived on the island at the same time? As the uh, Komodo dragon, the monitor lizard things? Yes. They would have been on the island at the same time. And was one a food source for the other? I don't know. Yeah, I I was just going to say, that must have been some shit to see. That must have been some epic battles. It's it's a really, really interesting find if you like that kind of thing. Yeah, Flores. Yeah, down down in Indonesia. And it just so happened that the initial discovery coincided with roughly the movies. Oh, right. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do we do we want to do a quick comment on what we thought about the the Hobbit movies? I will give you a very quick comment because I only watched a little bit of the first one and bailed because I just did not want my 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 image of of things as they occurred to be too corrupted because I really didn't like where it was going. So uh that's that that's my quick take on it. Excellent. Um, my quick take on it is, I love the idea of that combination of live action and um, animation. No, no, no. We're talking about the 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 Peter the, Jackson type. Oh, you're talking movies? about the oh the the the, the three I think, yes movies. Yes, I was talking about the Peter oh. Jackson the, oh, the oh, thrill. Sorry. That they... sorry, 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 no. sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm with Chris. 
Uh, yeah, because I thought I thought when we did the Lord of the Rings, we could talk about the the animated version of the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, when we yeah, did yeah. that other stuff, yeah, yeah, oh, I, sorry, I, right? I was thinking Lord of the Rings. You're you're absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, if I want to, yeah, I kind of like I I like that world, so I don't mind. You know, if the movies are on, but I just don't kind of recognize them as. It's almost like a whole different thing. It's not even the yeah, Hobbit it to is. me. It's it's yeah. so yeah out there, and it's a yeah. little. I, I thought it was a little obnoxious to, you know, at the two movies at the most, and that's not even necessary to do yeah. three. And if you're, if you're somebody my age, you want to bring your kid to see the Hobbit and you're like, this, this isn't the Hobbit. Yeah. Right. This is insane. Right. You know, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it seemed like all movies are money, a money grab to a certain extent, but this seemed to take it to extremes. Yeah, I agree. Just to, just to clarify for the, you know, the, the, the Lord of the Rings movies did not at all corrupt my view of the Lord of the Rings books. No, no, so, not at so all. Just, but, but I just did not like where The Hobbit was going. And, and, and for, for, you know, some of the reasons that you just said, I'm thinking, God, this is a prequel to The Lord of the Rings and they're going to do, you know, two plus movies on, on, on this. I just, yeah. I, it just left a bad taste. <clears throat> Such a blatant, just a blatant money grab. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. All right, gentlemen. Anybody got anything else to add? I want Chris on our podcast more often. All right, Fifty Shades of Grey, Chris. Uh, uh, Bjorn, Fifty Shades of Bjorn, isn't that what you uh, said? <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna come up with our own. Something, something we were gonna do it. We were, we were gonna do a spinoff called Fifty Shades of Bjorn. Yes, that was the spinoff. Yeah. Does anybody uh, have a spinoff they'd like to see? No, more about him. I would. Uh, if, if if there's stuff out there, or there's, uh, you know, anybody that has any I, I, ideas, I'd like to hear what he did. Gandalf, when he disappeared the few times that he did, I would have liked to know more. <laughs> About what he I, was up to, I like to, yeah. I like get Gandalf the college years. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought, kind of when they go home, when they return, they go north of the forest, and supposedly it's it's Gandalf, Bjorn, and Bilbo, right, and they supposedly right, right, have right. adventures which they don't have time to talk about. Yeah, was, yeah. Well, I, that's what I want someone yeah. who has time to write about that. That's yeah, right. that that be. I, I would like to hear about you know what happened. I think Gandalf just went off. He probably went back to Rivendell, hit the sauna, had a little just pipe a real weed. quick Gandalf detour, and it's in my head right now, and I'm looking for an answer to it. Radigan, brother, yeah. or just his colleague? Okay, all right, because I thought it was his brother, but I wasn't sure. Colleague <laughs> or more? I'm telling you, the college years. The sequel, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, answers <laughs> to questions you didn't even know you had. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Spice TV, get ready. <laughs> awesome. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks, Dale. Thank you again. I really appreciate the offer. Had a good excellent. Time. Thank you, you guys. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Great seeing you. Later. <laughs>